welcome back to the Saving Delaware History Podcast, where today we're speaking with Nick Madden, the Interpretive Programs Manager from the Bellevue State Park. Mostly we're going to be talking about the Bellevue Hall. So thank you, Nick, for joining us today. Thanks for having me. Happy to be here. Could you explain to us who Bellevue Hall is named after? So Bellevue Hall is not named after a person. We're not entirely sure how it got its name. We know that it was given by its last owner, William DuPont Jr. Um, And we do know that within the area, Bellevue's name was thrown around. There was a Bellevue train station and there's a record going back to the late 1800s that refers to this area as Bellevue Village. It was never an incorporated town or anything. It's just more of a general area people considered this to be. Um, That's the only area that we could find the name Bellevue. We're not sure if that's why he chose the name for his estate, but that's the strongest connection we can have. What facilities are on the Bellevue grounds? There are quite a few, um, and many of which were introduced by the DuPonts that lived here. Uh, first, there's going to be the tennis center. Right now it is run by a concessionaire. Um, the Bellevue Tennis Center offers members a chance to play on historic courts that were introduced by William DuPont Sr. Um, and he was a fan of tennis. Uh, he introduced a couple of clay courts. And when his son inherited the place, he introduced a couple more. And even a, a number of uh, famous competitions and championships were held here. Famous uh, tennis players played here and trained here. So there's a lot of history with those tennis courts and members really get a chance to enjoy that. Um, we also have uh, Wellspring Farms, which is, if you've been to the park before, you'll probably see horses when you come into the parking lot. Uh, Wellspring Farms manages the horses that are mostly privately owned, but they do offer some trainings as well. Um, they also offer special needs trainings too, which is a great program. Um, and they've been there for a long time. They've been there for a while and the horses are there every day. They take great care of them. So the Wellspring Farms does a great job. They are a concessionaire though, so they're not really associated through us. Um, if you wanted to contact them, you would contact them separately, not through us. On top of that, we also have a couple of barns. We got the Figure Eight and Hunter Barn, which was introduced by the last owner, Junior William DuPont Jr. Those were buildings that were designed for horses. Nowadays, they are venues for Delaware State Park events, or people can rent them out for their own events, whether it's a wedding, a graduation, or a corporate event. There are wonderful spaces that you can rent out. Both places can be rented out. Um, We also have the main track and the pond inside of the track. Um, So the main track is accessible from the main parking lot. It's a hub that everybody goes to. It's, It's directly right next to the parking lot. The track is not a human track. It was designed for horses, kind of get the theme of horses for this place. It's in horse terminology, nine furlongs, which is one and one eighth long. It is a properly sized thoroughbred race track. So that would be comparable to the race tracks for the Triple Crown, Kentucky Derby, things like that. Those are the same size. There's been some dwindling over the years as far as the width of the track, but the size of it is still the same. And when it was in its heyday, it was a proper size. Junior was um, a very well-known horse aficionado, whatever you want to call it. So it was 
Very well done, very well created. And it's still today, while horses don't go on it, our guests do. There's exercise stations around it, there's picnic tables, there's playgrounds. Uh, people can just walk around it uh, with their friends, they can bike on it as well. Inside, as I mentioned before, is a whole pond. There's a pond that fits inside of the track. It is man-made, made by Junior. It's 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 just a pond. It's nothing, it's nothing, you know, crazy where you're gonna get some fancy fish. There's gonna be largemouth bass and sunnies. But people of all skill levels, of all ages, can go and fish there with their own equipment, though there is um, some bait that you can buy by the bathrooms. But it's a wonderful, relaxing fishing spot for people who just want to have a a chill day. On top of that, inside the track, just to really show how massive this thing is, there's an entire meadow. And meadow doesn't sound that grand, but this meadow is, is quite large. It's larger than the pond itself. Deer love to stay there. So people who come to the park as they're walking around the track might be able to see some deer poking their head up out of the tall grass, which is pretty cool. Um, It's just when you're walking around that track, you really get a sense of how massive the thing is and how so much can fit inside of it. Um, There's also pavilions inside of it, a couple of volleyball courts and and, uh, horseshoe pits. There's quite a bit fitting inside of this massive track. It's just phenomenal. And it's a wonderful centerpiece for us. But I would say the main centerpiece, especially for when the DuPonts lived here, was, of course, Bellevue Hall. Bellevue Hall was the house where he lived. Everything was out of Bellevue Hall and centered around Bellevue Hall. Um, Today, it is run by a concessionaire, just like the tennis and the horse stables. Um, That's Jeffrey A. Miller Catering Company. They also do graduations, ceremonies of any kind, corporate events, and it just gives you a chance to enjoy a DuPont estate or a DuPont mansion, I should say, um, for your own purposes. You know, it's, it's a pretty awesome opportunity. We also have our own programs as well there. We have a murder mystery coming up that we get the chance to also walk through because we don't open the mansion often. Um, only on special occasions or if you rent it through the catering company. Um, so when we have those programs, it's pretty, it's pretty special. You mentioned sort of world-class tennis courts and this horse track that's the size of like the Kentucky Derby. Why were such high caliber facilities pre- present on this private property? Well, DuPont Jr., both of them, both him and his father, were very, very involved with the horse scene, um, competitions, dressage, and of course, racing as well. Um, when Junior inherited the estate from his father, he added a lot of what you'll see today, including the track and his knowledge of training horses and making sure they were going to be you know, actually competitive and potentially winning these major events uh, was just phenomenal. He was very dedicated to them. I mean, just a visit to the park will show you that a lot of what you see at the park is just because of horses. That's just what he loved. Yeah, he loved tennis as well. That was a hobby. This was more of his life. Like everything for him was surrounded by horses. And that's just what he loved. That's, that's why him and his family grew up loving and, and experiencing. So it just stayed with him. Which DuPonts exactly were his family and lived on the estate? So the first DuPonts that lived here were William DuPont Sr. He purchased the place around 1893 for him and his growing family. His wife, Annie, 
and their two children, Marion, who was born in 94, 1894, and then Junior was born two years later. They grew up here for a bit, but then we fast forward to the turn of the century and Senior purchased another house uh, called Montpelier, which was the house of James and Dolly Madison. That's in Virginia. That became more of the family household for the wife and the kids. Supposedly the weather was better down there for kids, for raising them, I don't know. But Woolton Hall is what it was called before was where Senior stayed because work was here. He was involved with the, his family's chemical company. He eventually got into banking as well. All of that was still here. So he still kept the property here and stayed here for work on the weekends or wherever he could, he would go down to Montpelier, spend time with his family. But this was mainly here because it was just close to work. Um, after that, the place was bequeathed to Junior. And this was more of a home for him. Um, he had other places, of course, as well, but he really took ownership of this place and made it his own. He was the last DuPont, so it was, it was mainly just him and his father that kind of lived here. His sister, you know, was here for a bit. And, you know, Junior had wives and kids as well. They weren't here as much as he was. So we generally will say that the primary DuPonts that were here were Senior and Junior. So if Junior was sort of the last person to really live in Bellevue Hall, how did it make its way into the hands of the state? Yeah, so... It's interesting. Upon his death in 1965, he had five kids and they had the opportunity to in, inherit or, or keep the property in the family, you know. But since none of them really had a strong connection to them, as I mentioned before, they weren't really here as much. And, you know, they were older, they were kind of out of the house already, you know, it just wasn't something that they were attached to. So they declined it. However, there was one child that was too young to legally make that decision quite yet. I believe he was 13 when his father died. They had to wait till he was 21 before he could finally make that decision and make that decision count. So the house and the estate kind of sat vacant somewhat for those eight years before he finally made that decision. And then another three years before the state finally got the opportunity to purchase it in 76. So you know, spoiler, the, the son did say no, he did not want the estate, which then led to it being up for bidding. And Stellar State Parks bought it in 76 and Bellevue State Park opened its doors or its gates the following year in 77. In my reading up on Bellevue Hall, I read that uh, William DuPont Jr.'s late wife, somehow they had split up, uh, Margaret Osborne was living there even after he had officially moved off the estate. Why was that? So they weren't, they weren't in the greatest of a relationship. Um, when the divorce actually happened, according to our records, she did move. She was still close by, but before the divorce, she was on property still, even though they weren't really with each other, you know, but she stayed around mainly because of their son, William DuPont III who was the one that made the final decision, who had to wait eight years, that's their child. You know, she just wanted to have his father figure around. So she was still around, the child was still around in Junior's life. 
That wasn't much longer though, because the following year after their divorce, he died, Junior died. So, you know, she wasn't here much longer before she moved to Texas and spent the rest of her life there um, with their child. That clears that up, thank you. <laughs> um, so could we just backtrack to sort of the grounds itself and what style right. the grounds are modeled in? Right, so the grounds, there's not really a referenced style for the grounds. It's mainly serving a purpose for two things. One, the horses, to keep that up. But largely, I would say it would be to keep the property self-sustaining. So he had everything he could have, he needed here. Um, there were farms, there were cattle and dairy barn. The building I'm in right now was actually a potting shed and there were greenhouses attached to it. So he didn't really need to venture far to get what he needed to just keep the place running and keep everything going inside the house as well. So that's where a lot of the landscape comes from, um, on top of the horses, of course. And so it's not going to be comparable to Longwood, where that was very much, you know, ornamental. Uh, this just served a purpose for his needs. And anything that would have been more of that ornamental side would have been in the house, but the outside, I should say there was a garden that he had, a formal garden that was very much horse oriented as well. The hedges were cut to be in the shape of horse equipment and um, the actual garden itself was shaped like a horseshoe. It wasn't large though, and it still does exist today. That's, that's pretty much the extent of his glitz and glam for the estate. Um, but it just was serving for, for his own purposes, not for guests to really gawk at. So is it fair to say that he wasn't hosting much and this was really more of a private retreat? I wouldn't say that because there were some well-known hosts here and, and you know, um, especially when he was married to Margaret Osborne, there were a lot of famous tennis people that came and, and people that were just visiting in general, um, but they mainly just went to the house so there's, there's two entrances and the entrance that guests would use most likely was closer to the house. They didn't travel through the farmland or anything. Um, and they mainly just, or, you know, they, they did the house or they went to the tennis courts as well. That was a, a great way for them to enjoy their time with their guests. How do all these facilities function today? I mean, you said there are some weddings hosted there today. Um, but it assumes also open to the public. Yeah, so these a lot of the facilities um, are rentable. Like I mentioned, the Figure Eight Barn and the Hunter Barn, Bellevue Hall, those are rentable. We do have other things going around the park that are open every day for people. There are picnic tables, picnic areas, the pavilions. If there's no one renting it, you can rent those if you like as well. And there's the track itself is available for the public every day. The paths around the park, there's a Greenway Trail, Northern Greenway Trail that goes right through Bellevue that is paved, which is a great perk that people love to have. And I mentioned before the tennis center that is membership only. Um, and it's, of course, for the horses, they do offer lessons and offer housing for the horses. But we also have a disc golf course. We offer programs. 
um, such as our main concerts that are free with park admission, which is happening right now, actually. We have one today, a main concert. Um, we have a band shell right across from here that is a wonderful place for outdoor events and our main concerts are, are a big hit with the public and the community. So it's, it's very busy here. It's, it's a great location um, for people to just come in and have a walk around the park. You know, even if they're not stopping at a facility, there's just something to see. You can see the horses, although be respectful for them. They are people's private horses. I will want to point that out. But, you know, and there are people out there who really enjoy this part and want to help as much as they can. There is our Friends at Bellevue group as well, who is a volunteer group that do a lot for the park. They raise money, they come to events and, and offer all the support they can to making this park in, in a condition that keeps it moving and keeps the history alive and keeps the park alive, you know. In your time working at Bellevue Hall and learning about all the history, as you said, what's your favorite story or sort of facet of this location? Oh, gosh. Oh, gosh, I don't know. There's just so much of it. And I'm learning so much more as I keep, I mean, I've been here for five years. And I mean, I think a favorite part of mine is just the location of it. It's a prime location. It's right off of 95. It's surrounded by multiple neighborhoods and schools. So it's easy access for people. And it just feels like a, a, an active community here. And that's a, a big part of why I love working here. You can feel people enjoying the place and uh, taking advantage of it too. And using it to just be outside be within nature, be within history, you know, the two kind of blend really well together here. So it's nice seeing people taking advantage of that. As far as the history goes, I would say my favorite part would actually be, I mentioned earlier briefly, a place called Walton Hall. Yes. So Walton Hall was before Bellevue Hall. When Junior inherited the place, he changed the name and changed the facade of Walton Hall. Walton Hall was completed in 1855 and was a Gothic revival castle. It's a shame we don't have it now, but that's beyond ourselves. Um, but the castle, we have a few pictures of. We don't have much, though. And we really don't have any inside pictures either. There were some changes that Junior made to the inside, but just seeing the pictures of the castle is, is just incredible and try, like, you know, trying to impose it into what you see today of Bellevue Hall. It's still generally the same kind of shape in a, in a way. So you can kind of just like put two and two together and just incredible to think that that used to be here, you know? It is still there, you know, it's not like he tore down the whole building. He kind of just, you know, re re put his own building on top of it, you know. Um, but every time I see a picture of, of the castle of Walton Hall, it's just, it just brings a smile to my face. Why did he make that transition of remodeling and renaming? Knew that was coming. Um, so when he inherited uh, at then Walton Hall, still Walton Hall. Um, like I said before, it wasn't a place that he largely grew up in. That was Montpelier. However, 
his older sister, Marion, received that after their father passed away. She got Montpelier and he got Woolton. And, you know, he just wanted to bring that sense of his childhood home here at his own home. So he worked to change Woolton Hall into a mirror image of Montpelier. Now I will say Montpelier today does not look the same as what we see as Bellevue Hall. But when the DuPonts were there, when William DuPont Sr. purchased the place and they lived there, they made changes to what Montpelier looked like. And if you were to find a picture of what their changes were and compare it to Bellevue Hall now, they would look very similar. But when Montpelier became a museum, they worked to kind of restore it back to when James and Dolly were there. So it doesn't really look the same anymore. Um, but there are pictures there where you can kind of see where his inspiration came from and why Bellevue Hall looks the way it does today. Wonderful. That's a pretty extensive recap of the history, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think there's anything that we didn't cover? I don't think so. I mean, there is obviously going to be more to the history, um, a little more details and things, but, you know, that's kind of stuff we cover in our tours and, you know, on our social media, we'll post some history things too. It's just kind of like little tidbits, not so much with the general history of the whole park. Thanks as always for listening to this episode of the Saving Delaware History Podcast and see you next time.